Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by Executive Function Specialists, Debbie Rosen and Lindsay Toms, to discuss three ways to supercharge executive functions for the school year. Hi, Debbie and Lindsay. How are you guys? Hi there. Hey, good morning. Good so glad morning. to be here. We're happy to have you guys here. This is going to be an awesome episode, and it's perfect timing for the start of the school year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's start with a little bit of an introduction. So tell us a little bit about who you guys are and what you do. Good morning, Tristan. I'm Debbie Rosen. I am the founder and one of the owners of the Study Pro. Lindsay Toms, who's here with me, is our other owner. And we are an executive function and study skill center. Um, And so what that means is that we help students with the process of school. And the way that we explain it most simply is that there's the content, which is the math, science, history, et cetera. And then there is the process, which is really how you manage all of that content. And when we work with kids, we're really talking about the challenges they may have with how to um, first even get into the portals and access the content and how they may sometimes rush through the content or even spend too much time on it or may have missing work because they're feeling emotionally overwhelmed. And so I think the biggest difference is that oftentimes, even though throughout the process you may get stuck on content, it's really that executive function challenges um, can impede uh, success across all of the subjects versus just maybe having one particular challenge in math or or history or languages. Um, So that's a little bit about what we do. Yeah, that's some great work. I mean, I think... I didn't necessarily struggle a ton with executive function when I was younger, but I think my mom would have loved to know that this was out there <laughs> for the times that I was struggling. Um, so this yes, is great work that you guys lot. are doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where are you guys like in the world? And if people were looking to find you online, where would they go? So we are based, uh, we have a 4,000 plus square foot center in McLean, Virginia. Awesome. We do work in person in McLean, as well as remotely. So we really service and serve students, sometimes all over the world, surprisingly. Um, And we are on, oh, online at www.thestudypro.com. Awesome. And before we hop into the interview, I'd love if Lindsay could just say a little quick hello. Hi there. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today. Fabulous. Well, thank you guys for that awesome intro. And um, I'm excited for us to talk about this. So let's hop in and give people a baseline. First and foremost, when we say executive function, what in the world do we mean? Yeah, uh, that is a really good question because Debbie was describing we're an executive function center. So what does that mean? It really is an umbrella term to encompass the set of skills that are part of your frontal lobe. And so what those skills do, they allow you to set a goal and then they allow you to manage your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions to achieve that goal. And so that part of your brain starts to develop toddler, early adolescence, but it doesn't fully develop until your mid to now we know late 20s. So 25 to 28 is the range where they fully kick online. And I know I said that, oh my gosh, Tristan from your face <laughs> eye-opening, what it can do is help us feel a little bit more empowered that when we see some of these executive function challenges, it's not that the kid is unmotivated or that student doesn't care about their work. It really is that these skills do need time to develop. And 
what our approach is at the study pro here is that we don't just wait until they're 25. Please do not wait until they're 25 to maybe practice some of these skills. Um, what they really do need is a supportive, encouraging environment that lets them practice the skills before they're ready. And sometimes through no fault of its own, school cannot feel like that supportive environment that feels like it's a safe place to make mistakes. That feels like it's a chance that I can reflect on when it's hard to get started. And so when you think of executive functions, think of that three-part process that it's about setting the goal, but I got to be able to manage those three things. I got to manage my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. So sometimes when we see the homework not getting done or them not studying for a test, it's not because they don't have the same goals as you as a teacher or a parent. It's not that they don't have a goal to do well. It's just that they might need a strategy to manage that to manage those thoughts that might be saying, oh, I don't feel capable of doing this or I don't feel like doing it now or those feelings of overwhelm, right? Right. And then it might be the actions. I don't really know how to study for a test. I haven't learned strategies or skills yet. So that's why it's been so great at the Study Pro to be that place where they can have that environment where they can both reflect on those skills and learn some strategies to help as those that frontal lobe is developing. So we don't have to wait till they're 25. Yeah. I would, I never would have thought that 25 was the age of it finally like maturing, developing. Cause I I would have assumed it was probably like start of high school, like mid high school. But Mm -hmm. I mean, that is eye opening, especially for like, if you go off to college, you know, there that's like a whole new environment. So you've got all of that with it's, you know, all of those different emotions and um, their own struggles, right? For living on your own for the first time. But then you also have the academic portion of it. So, I mean, no wonder that college gets pretty difficult for folks. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's why we're huge fans of gap years too, because we want to give kids the gift of time. And um, 25 is really on the younger side because oftentimes it's in the later 20s or even early 30s. For boys, although we hear they catch up. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, how do you like know if your child or any child is really struggling with that executive functioning from the beginning? Uh, Well, this is Debbie, and I talk to um, hundreds of parents a year. And what we most normally hear is that, you know, my student is really smart. It's not their IQ, which we know is not related to the executive function other than sometimes the smartest kids really have the biggest challenges with executive functions. Um, But the way that we know is one thing I mentioned earlier is that it it really, the challenges can go across subjects. There's certainly preferred and non-preferred subjects where non-preferred subjects, you may find that students have a little bit more of a challenge um, in terms of some of the executive functions like initiating or inhibiting. So if I'm bored or I'm not interested in something, I might find it harder Mm -hmm. Uh, to get through that homework in particular. Um, Other things that we see, of course, are that are code words for underdeveloped executive functions or needing some strategies is really about, you know, I'm maybe missing work or I'm having a hard time getting started. Oh my gosh, this work is taking so long for them. I mean, I just don't know why it's taking so long, maybe because there's some kind of perfectionistic tendencies, if you mm-hmm. will. And I use kind of air quotes around that because I don't mean that specifically that they are, are labeled that way um, or there is any label. And then sometimes it's because they're just getting distracted. Other times we find the opposite's true that the emotional challenge is 
so great that I want to rush through. So I'm not mm-hmm. having the self-monitoring, another executive function that is required to really go back and check my work or feel like, hey, you know, I really need to spend the time that it's taking to ensure the work is the best quality. Right. And so what we often find is that, you know, the we try to share with parents that it's not intelligence and it's not that they're, you know, what we hear sometimes they're smart enough to be able to get this because we know that, you know, highly intelligent students who have a big paper to write, who may be perfectly capable of writing a beautiful, creative, or, you know, analytic paper, if they're not actually managing their time to give themselves enough time and structure to move through the process of writing the paper, they aren't going to do their best work. And quote, unquote, the smartest kids who may be able to ace that biology test if they're not studying actively, or they don't, haven't taken the right type of notes, or maybe they have anxiety and they haven't really thought of the strategies or known, learned the strategies yet to manage that, then they may not do as well. And so the great news in both what Lindsay was saying, hopefully, and what I'm saying is that, you know, our goal with all kids is for them to reflect and recognize and help them reflect and recognize on their friction or their barriers, and then themselves, you know, adopt strategies that we, we or other professionals can help them with. Because really what we want for kids overall coming out of school is not to learn how to do homework. Right. <laughs> it's to learn how to do things that are hard right. and overcome challenges. And so that really does take the reflection and the adoption of strategies. Yeah. Wow. So what what are those things? What are the, like like you guys said, the three ways that you would help improve that executive functioning for the school year? That's another good question. Yeah. And I heard the wow, because it is, it's, it's empowering. And then it can sometimes feel overwhelming for, for parents too, is just to say, it sounds like a lot, but how can I help here? Right. And really we, we, those three things that we identify here is one is find the friction, like to find a time to reflect with your kid, a neutral time. And I can go into that a little bit more here. And then the second is to keep it simple. They find a, a good starting point to have these conversations and discussion points with your kid. And the third one is to water the six seeds of success. So kind of backwards, going back to that, finding the friction. What I say is that neutral time is oftentimes the friction that we see in some of the struggles of our kid are around grades. So they can come after the test grade gets back. It can come when we get the progress reports or the interim grade reports or an email from a teacher saying, Johnny's missing these three assignments. Now that's going to understandably trigger some of those emotions. And then us as adults have to also use our frontal lobe to manage that emotion <laughs> piece there. Um, so we want to just have these touch points with our kid that we are having conversations about these skills outside of the grade triggers. So right. when they find the friction, it's that you're not the problem. You didn't try to fail this test. You didn't actively choose. And I know it's hard to believe sometimes, but they did not actively choose not to turn in those assignments because it's more complicated than that, even though they will say, I just didn't want to do it. So if you find this time to reflect on them on the process things, so like where we use the word friction and barriers a lot, like what was the barrier? A lot of what I might talk with a student with in coaching is saying, okay, we might not have these three assignments. They might be missing. Let's investigate it together. Let's really find out what the friction was here. Sometimes is I did it and I forgot to turn it in. Right. Because I 
there was a lot of steps in turning it in. It might've been, I had to take a picture of it with my phone and submit it online, even though I hand wrote it. So in that moment, there can be this aha chance to say, oh, well, that's the kind of strategy we need. Right. So that's where we might jump to the next step here is the keeping it simple. When we talk about strategies, the best place to start is usually on strategies with planning and initiation. Mm -hmm. Those can remedy a lot of other areas of friction. And when I might have started my early career in education, I might have seen a student with missing work and I might have jumped to the solution immediately and said, oh, they just need a planner. They need a planner. Go out and buy a planner. Here's your solution. Everything will be fixed. The birds will be (laughs) chirping. The sun will be shining. There will be world peace or at least peace. And that doesn't quite work because that might not be the barrier. When I say planning, it might be saying, okay, do I need a way to get all this information in one place? Is a list overwhelming for me? Mm-hmm. It might be that I need to learn this chunking strategy to make a plan. It might be how to be more specific in my plan. Mm-hmm. I've seen magic happen from a kid instead of writing on their plan, do math homework to do problems one through 15 odd. By being more specific, they can see the finish line. So when I say focus on planning, I don't mean go buy the planner. What I mean is focus on the skill of planning. Yeah. And understanding that the connection to planning and initiation are so intimately related that I'm sure, Tristan, you've had this experience. I know Debbie and I have that you make a plan and then life happens. Yeah. And all of a sudden you need to use all those other executive function skills of being flexible Right. Something comes up. How do I adjust my plan? I also might have to be working on my emotions there. Right. That when I made my plan on Monday to write this report, when it came to Thursday to actually do it, I don't feel like it anymore. <laughs> so where we don't want to fall into the trap as parents is to try to convince the student that they need to care about that homework. Mm-hmm. Now, this is hard for my little educator heart to say yeah. out loud because I always want to try to encourage and convince the student that they should care about this assignment, care about learning and care about learning. about. Right. But the reality is I want them to learn that the skill of initiation can be like, well, I might not feel like doing this homework, but I do like music. So could part of my initiation strategy Ooh. be putting on my favorite non-lyrical playlist? Could it be about putting a cozy blanket over my lap? sitting crisscross on the floor. Yeah, that feels better than doing this chemistry homework. Right. So I'm not going to try to convince them into caring about the chemistry homework because usually that comes with threats of some kind of consequence. Mm-hmm. And that does not help initiation. Right. And it does not help the skills building. It doesn't help that frontal lobe develop. So there's a lot of reasons why we want to focus on that. Okay, well, you can pair it with something that you do prefer. You don't prefer chemistry. What do you? And what... Right could be part of that start routine that makes initiation easier. And then when we do have those moments to reflect with our kid, find the friction, keeping it simple, then we want to water the seeds of success. So what we mean by that is it takes time for things to grow. We want to focus on the seeds, the little small seeds are very tiny and they can grow a huge, huge tree. So what we want to do is say, can we start to notice those? Mm -hmm. What you notice will grow and what you give sunlight to and give attention to will grow. So there's going to be weeds in the garden here. There's going to be times that they make mistakes. And even though we might've 
plan to do an initiation strategy that day. It didn't go according to plan, but hey, they wrote down some goals. They might not have put it in the planner. They might not put it as specifically as maybe I might've been maybe helping them with that strategy to do more. That's okay. I want to notice and I want to give the attention and the praise to that seed of growth. You wrote it down. You wrote down a goal. You reflected on it. And that's where we can really start to see the executive functions improve. And then exactly those struggles that Debbie was describing start to fade away more and more. That's awesome. How long do you see it take kids before they start to kind of like get it themselves? Like they're like, oh, my mom is making me do whatever, like making me plan or making me like she had me grab this blanket, which is nice. But like, I don't know. How do you, how long do you see before they buy into what they're doing? With, um, you know, not trying to sound too uh, hubris here. We are very proud of what we can see is that starting pretty quickly. We can say that even when they walk through our doors, if they're coming to our physical space, our approach is really about collaborating with the student and really getting to know them and what their experience is like. We're not the solutions first, because what that does is put up barriers and it puts up resistance and it puts up avoidance because when somebody is telling you what you have to do, the natural human and very natural adolescent tendency is to counter that. So our approach is very much about getting to know their experience and collaborating on the strategies that this isn't me saying, grab the blanket. It's when I might be asking questions that lead us to find out that that might be a great strategy for you. It really feels like that student is a partner with that coach. And what I do love and what we're, we're incredibly proud of is because we're a third space, we're not school and we're not home. We're not connected to the people who are giving them grades mm-hmm. and we're not your parents. So okay. it's it's a cruel thing for parents, but sometimes they can be saying the exact same thing as what I might be saying right. on the car right here. And then they get into our space. They take a sigh of relief and realize it might not be what they were picturing or imagining that this is a place that's going to tell them all the things that are wrong with them and all the right. things that they need to do differently. It's really a place that wants to get to know them and help them and help them achieve their goals. Cause that's the fundamental piece of it. Right. It's not that they don't have the same goals as us. They just yeah. need different strategies or skills to get there. Right. Yeah. Um, so what would you say um, is the best way to like implement these tips before the school year starts or like right at the beginning of the school year, when they get like that first assignment, you know, their first week of homework. Um, so I will extend to um, on what Lindsay said. By, by adding one other thought and answer it and then we'll answer that question. I mean, I think of course everything Lindsay said is is really the what we see at the study pro. I think from a parent's perspective in terms of if they're not coming to the study pro or if they're working on their own to implement these strategies, I think there's a lot of dependencies in terms of how quickly you start to see results. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with what Lindsay mentioned earlier, which is, you know, we can't create motivation for students. Right. Um, we have to work hard to understand, not to look at the behaviors that we might see as the weeds, as the missing work and and um, harder time getting started as behaviors that are intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we as parents want to see results and change, 
We have to look at the need behind the behavior and understand what are the missing skills. And I think the thing that we like to communicate the most when we speak at schools and when we um, speak to parents is that they really should look at that. um, What is the missing skill versus what's wrong with my child or how can we get my child to change? Mm. Most of the time, kids do know what to do. It's they're having a hard time doing it. We know what to do when that chocolate cake comes, but maybe we're having a hard time doing that. It doesn't mean that I don't have motivation to lose weight or to stay healthy or to not eat less sugar or to eat less sugar and not eat as much sugar. I do have that motivation. It's just that maybe I'm missing an inhibition skill or maybe there's an emotional control because I had a really bad day and I'm eating my way through that. I don't know. You know, um, so I think the that kind of leads me into you know the question of what's the best way to implement the skills. I think the best way, honestly, is to number one not react in the moment, as Lindsay had said, and to work with the students um, at the beginning of the year or before the real you know stress of the year starts to look at that plan that Lindsay talked about and see what is my you know, where are the windows that I can do my work or what sometimes we call the white space? Because between school and sports, a lot of kids, you know, in these, especially in these major metropolitan areas, they have a lot of challenges with just finding the time to get all the work done. And, you know, I will tell you over the years, I started with fourth grade, um, going to a Starbucks with crayons and a 24 hour calendar for, you know, seven days a week. And my daughter and I would color in those times when she yeah. had dance and she had other things and she would see the white space. And now she sent me just actually ironically earlier, like this whole calendar for herself. Mm-hmm. And so she's creating it on her own now and right. she's in 10th grade. And so I think that we planted those seeds early on and forth and you know made it a fun way, a collaborative way for kids to be like, oh, look, I can have a plan and a plan helps me feel more in control and I can visually see it. And I can understand what I have to do. And that also then works to establish routines. Right. And the routines are that, you know, on Tuesday is when I have that window, that work window to be able to get my work done. And I have to look at what's due Thursday too, because Wednesday I have sports or something else. And so it's really about trying to find the times that are not in that moment of anxiety um, I would say the second thing is also tips is really managing our own anxiety. Mm. We oftentimes will ask okay. right when kids come home, do you have homework or what homework do you have? Right. When, you know, our maybe guidance would be to maybe ask other questions that are more relationship building, but also rather than what homework do you have or do you have homework? Because they may say no or whatever, right? It's really a little bit more about, you know, what did what interesting thing do you have or what barriers do you see or what can I do to support you? Right. Um, sometimes it's just sitting there and doing your work with them when they're doing their work so right. that they're feeling not so alone. Um, because I think at the end of the day, if we find ourselves fighting with our kids about homework, um, we're really missing the biggest picture, which is probably the most important thing that we want is to preserve the relationship with our child and yeah. homework really shouldn't come between that. Um, because I'll tell you, my son just moved out, um, graduated for the first time and lives in New York. And I'm really so grateful at this moment that I have that relationship with him because it just goes way so fast. And you think that's not going to happen to me, but you know, I have a younger daughter as well, but 
it does happen. And um, probably the most important thing that we need to know is that, you know, we have the greatest opportunity to shape who our kids are and to help those seeds grow and to prioritize preserving the relationship and to manage our own anxiety because we often have that runaway train of like, oh my gosh, if they don't get their homework done, then they won't pass the test and they won't Mm -hmm. have this and they won't have this and they won't have this. And, you know, what are things I can do to sit back and think what's really going on underneath here is why they're having a hard time starting that homework. And where can I seek help if the relationship is getting burdened with that anxiety that we might both have? And whether it's the study pro or it's online resources or it's other podcasts like this um, or other specialists, I think it really is important to try to get that, you know, from coming in between the relationship that we have with our child. Right. That's really big. I think a lot of times, like you said, it is that runaway train and parents get so freaked out um, that their kid isn't going to do well, that they let it inhibit, you know, what they talk about at the dinner table or their kid like runs away immediately because they're like, oh, my mom's going to ask me about my homework. Like, I don't want to talk to her about that. And so, you know, they they have their own strategies for getting away from those topics and trying to um, emotionally regulate themselves and not having to talk about homework. Right. And probably the most important thing is none of that really works anyway. So yeah, because then everyone's upset, you know, like they're not getting their homework done. Mom is upset. Homework is not done. And, you know, that they're sad and running away. (laughs) So true. Right. I had one more question for you guys, which was um, about like teachers. So do you ever recommend to parents like, Hey, your te- your kid's teacher might see this behavior. I'd recommend that they do this in response to that. Do you ever give like teacher tips? Well, you know, I'll, I'll take that one as a, a teacher myself. Yeah. <laughs> I I definitely had a lot of training in the content areas, and I had a lot of training in what was you know still called behavior management in a lot of. Mm a lot of ways. What I didn't and what I was missing and what led me to executive function and the study pro and it was the skills building. So mm-hmm. what I think the understanding can be like as a, it starts with the kid knowing themselves best. A lot of the times I would start to say, and students who had IEPs might, or 504s who had accommodations in school, I might start to say they need to self-advocate for right. themselves and what they need. But it does really start with the kid knowing themselves and what they need. So I do, and part of our approach is, is helping the kid because it is a skill to self-advocate with the teacher is helping the kid first recognize what they need and why they need it. Mm -hmm. And then how to communicate that with the teacher. Now, especially when they're younger, a parent should definitely very much help with that advocacy, but we never want to kind of jump the ship of kind of maybe um, communicating solely for that kid and what they need. Because um, if they're given those chances to reflect, it might just be like, I might need a break mid-class to move around. I might do very well with this type of fidget. This is what I've noticed is it can help me focus. But for them to be empowered too is also why they might be using a tool or why they might be using a strategy that can be really helpful. So yes, I do encourage first start with that parent and the kid relationship mm-hmm. and really to know themselves and what they need and then being able to communicate that with the teachers. Yeah. Well, this has been 
super helpful and very, very interesting. Um, and again, great for the start of the school year. I, that was my last question for you guys, but do you have anything else you want to throw in here at the very end? We just really appreciate the opportunity to be here. We, we, uh, we love speaking to parents and we actually do professional development, um, once a month on Fridays. So we do work with, um, teachers and help we also speak at schools and do a lot of professional development privately at schools. So, you know, this is a passion of ours. So we we really like um, where we are the where the work with the students we do, of course, is is weekends and evenings. Yeah. <laughs> Our other day job is to work with parents and to and to work with um, professionals. So uh, we we really appreciate the opportunity to do that because I think it really fills fills our cup, and we learn a lot from from schools and professionals as well. Yeah. We learned a lot from you guys today. So thank you so, so much for being here. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time.